This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 155. We think but time seems to have no meaning these days as we uh, enter month four, five, whatever it is of semi-quarantine, quarantine. Anyway, Sarah and I have been had a virtual b- business relationship for a long time, so this actually hasn't had to change that much. Although um, her work, of course, has changed in the course of the COVID-19 epidemic. Uh, today's episode is going to be all about working from home. I'm really excited to announce that I have a new book out today. It's called The New Corner Office, which is also the same name as one of my other podcasts. It's called The New Corner Office, How the Most Successful People Work from Home. And it's got all kinds of tips and stuff like that about how you can work productively and ambitiously from home. So we're just going to do a few quick tips and it'll be a short episode. And I'm so excited because, you know, when this book came out, I realized, ooh, I have many a question about how to work effectively from home. So we decided the structure of this episode would just be me firing off all the things <laughs> that I wanted to know about how you can work successfully from home. Yeah. You know, I did, I did a lot of it in the beginning, then I kind of went back to work. And then lately, our case numbers have been so high that I'm back at home. 
And I made a discovery yesterday that I can even work with a resident from home with a three-way video chat with our patients, which was very like serendipitous. Like nobody told us that this capability had been added, but I was like, let's see what happens if I just try to enter the encounter when she's in it. And lo and behold, my phone showed three little panes and oh, we could cool. see the patient simultaneously. So I'm very excited about that was a major this. barrier for you because you're trying to teach your residents. And so you had to be in person with them to teach them about what they were doing. Correct. That was kind of like, for me, the last frontier, particularly when I'm on outpatient. I was like, well, you know, I could do this from home. But if I have a trainee, I really don't want them to miss out on that experience. But now I feel like, number one, they can get some valuable telemedicine experience. And number two, if a resident is sick, or if others are sick, nobody has to miss out. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, it's I think it was Rhode Island, at least, or somewhere said that we're never having snow days again. Like, clearly, we have the capability to continue whatever it is <laughs> with with snow, with weather, with road closures, with a p- pandemic. So, I mean, this is really, it's the sort of thing that should have been happening for a long time. Obviously, a crisis has forced some element of, you know, seeing what is possible. But I mean, many of your visits, like the follow-up stuff could have been done virtually in the past and would have saved people time, days off work to bring their kids to the doctor. I mean, there's all sorts of things that... that Absolutely. Uh, I don't put all the blame in the medical profession because a lot of it had to do with billing, but a lot of those rules were recently changed and hopefully they're not going to flip all the way back. So that's... I would hope not. I mean, you know, it was cynical that maybe people think the life cost keeps people from overusing medicine. I hope not, but I, there's there's some cynicism in, in the billing world. So let's just not think about that. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So many book-related questions. So I am excited to dive into that. So, and first for our readers, just for them to know, this is an ebook only at this time, correct? It is. And that's partly related to the situation that's going on as well. I mean, we wanted to get it out quickly. And because of that, ebook, audiobook are are the way to go because those are both instant release mechanisms as opposed to a physical book, which has to be printed and shipped and all the inefficiencies that come with anything that is that is done in person with a physical object. But there's also trouble with the distribution channels as well. I mean, a lot of the, you know, book warehouses have less staff because it's not critical and bookstores in many places are not either open or are limited capacity. Airport bookstores turn out not to be a hot place to be at the moment. <laughs> so, yes, business books previously thrived in that location, yes, I'm sure. Yes. So, uh, I have a friend who, um, it was so sad. She was like the the Hudson Books release, like top release for April or something they had chosen. It's just like, yeah, that, that's that, not fair. Bad, <laughs> bad, bad luck. Anyway, all right, let's get to the question. All right, question number one. How does one remain focused? especially if your kids are still in the house. I know our listeners want that one answered first and foremost. Yeah, it is really, really tough. And long-term, it does not work to work from home with young children who are too young to entertain themselves uh, work while you're working from home if you don't have other childcare, either you know that they go to daycare or that you have another adult in the house caring for them. Now, of course, that other adult could be a family member. So if you and your spouse are both working from home, maybe you can come up with a way that you trade off hours. Or if both of you have dialed down a little bit, it would be quite possible for both of you to work, say, 25 hours a week and have those happen probably mostly during the working day as well. But, you know, 
kids need to be watched. And it's just, I know that a lot of people are still in a crisis situation with this. And so if that is the case, and you know, the first option is to switch off with a partner, if that is the case, if you could find another sitter who is willing to adopt whatever sort of social distancing guidelines you feel are appropriate for your family, you know, that maybe it's somebody who either lives alone or is just only with her family and they're not really going much. Um, just, you know, as long as it's somebody who's not hanging out every night in crowded bars, like you're probably okay. So that is a solution I would definitely recommend people looking into because we don't know how the school situation is going to pan out for a lot of districts. So you may just want to go ahead and hire somebody and realize this is going to be good to have available. And and if school starts up, great. Like maybe you can convert the hours to evening or, you know, get them doing a little extra stuff in the afternoon. Who knows? But hiring somebody if that is a a feasible for you. And if you are unable to do that and you are on your own, your best bet with little kids is to sort of look at the time that is available that they are not going to need you. And so in many cases, that's going to be early morning. If you can get up before them, spend the morning just acknowledge you're not going to work in the morning. You're going to run the kids around. You're going to get them really tired. You're going to go outside. You're going to have them play as hard as they possibly can. So you can come inside, feed them lunch and have them zonk out. Anyone who naps can nap. Anyone who is older can have screen time for several hours. You use those two to three hours in the afternoon, triaging what you do. So the most important thing first, don't get to the email until hour three when you're like, okay, if they wake up, it's fine. <laughs> and then, you know, if, if you have a partner who comes home in the evening, obviously that person can take the kids then or maybe an hour after they go to bed at night. And then, you know, weekends as well too, do the same thing. It, it sucks. I mean, it sucks because you have no leisure time whatsoever. But if that is what it is going to take for you to stay employed and that is important to you at this moment, then that's what you're going to have to do. All right. That all makes sense. Sort of depressing, but reality. And even though it is, we don't know how long it's going to last, it probably won't be until 2025. So it's not going to be forever. forever. <laughs> of course, your kids would be you know, old enough to watch. Oh, yeah. Good but- point. <laughs> <laughs> and they could all play Minecraft. Okay. Question number two, talk to me about Zoom fatigue. I've heard this phrase a lot. Um, I will admit myself, I cannot stand looking at my own face. I don't mind it when I'm talking to you somehow. But like when I'm in a group meeting, I'm very self-conscious of my own face there. And I really want to turn my camera off. And I also find that I'm distracted by like, oh, people are looking at me. Like, do I look like I'm paying attention? And I'm happier if I either turn it off and take notes or if I am actually like going for a walk because I find that I actually focus best because I am forced not to do any other screen-based distractions because otherwise I'd run into things. So tell (laughs) me about your best strategies for surviving and thriving in Zoom culture. Well, the truth is that everyone is looking at their own face. So no one is looking at you. So that is, um, you, you you can take that worry off your plate. That's just human nature, right? We look at ourselves. I'm looking at myself because I'm like, wait, my, yeah, it's all, am I looking weird right now? Because we, we have video component on here, by the way, um, even though you guys are only hearing audio, it helps us with the conversation. And that's the honest truth. What, what Zoom does as well is it helps facilitate a conversation when you can see other people's faces. Because you can see somebody's like, hmm, I don't really quite understand that, right? Like if they're like looking at you like that's crazy, then you know to address that. Whereas if you're on a conference call, you, you don't get that face. You don't get the person being like, I don't get it, right? Or that they're seeming upset in some reason, or they're like, oh, that looks, that's really cool. Like you don't get any of that visual feedback. Um, And so that can make it very difficult to gauge how things are going 
on an audio only call. The other problem with audio only is that it is so ripe for distraction. I think, you know, I, I saw some number, but let's, let's guess that at least 75% of people are checking their email while they are on a conference call. I, yeah, they shouldn't be because hopefully the gathering was important enough that everyone needs to be on the call, but obviously meetings often aren't planned well, and that's doubly true for conference calls. And so people will multitask and then they're not paying attention. And so it's kind of like pointless to have the call in the first place. So if you do have an audio only call, one of the best things you can do is start doodling. Actually doodle with your hands, take notes, doodle. If you don't need to take notes, do a craft, like knit. I mean, do something with your hands to occupy that slight little excess bit of attention that would have had you checking your email or surfing the web. So in general, I prefer video conference because it gets rid of that. You can see the other person's reactions. However, Zoom fatigue is real because there is a slight delay. Uh, If you ever try to sing happy birthday to a colleague on a Zoom call, you will notice this immediately. It's why you can't do Zoom choir. It is not huge, but it's like 200 milliseconds and it's enough to make it not work for simultaneous voices. And that makes it difficult to, to pay attention. I think the best thing you can do is what you should do for life in the workplace in general, which is that you limit your meetings. Like do not have a meeting unless there is no other way to accomplish what you're trying to do. So Instead of just saying, hey, I need to talk to people, let's have six folks on a Zoom call. Say, well, are there other approaches? Could I email everyone? Could I call people individually really quickly? Could it be something where we're all walking together outside while on the phone? You know, could, if we're in the same city, maybe it's important enough that you could go have a socially distanced meeting. But the point is, don't automatically assume, like, let's have a video call of anything we would have had a meeting. The better approach is to limit meetings in general. That makes sense. Yeah, I wish I could have fewer meetings. <laughs> Sometimes it's not always under your own personal control, no. but you know, we can we can make micro we can shifts make in pro, the you know, and over time just asking the question, what will change in the world as a result of this meeting taking place that could not have changed if the meeting did not take place? I know, I feel like there's a lot of these like we're going to issue directives over a meeting and like why couldn't that just be a document? That's a doc cuz they assume people aren't reading it, right? But like maybe you if you wor- think people aren't reading it, make it some sort of docu-sign thing where they have to put their initials at each one and, Ooh, and yeah. then you know, at least you know they've been in the document. I mean, who knows about reading comprehension, but they're not listening on your phone call either. So, well, and at least the document <laughs> you can refer back to yeah. and have proof like, look, I sent I, you this I versus sent you like this you signed it. Sometimes they're saying a lot of really important detailed things and then I never see anything in writing kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. rough. So okay. keep that yeah. in mind. Zoom fatigue. All right. Question number three, tips for negotiating more work at home time if you're at an organization where this is not standard. Well, that's few people these days. I mean, a lot of people are like, I would like to work from home less. <laughs> but in general, if you know, in normal times, if you would like to work from home and you have not been able to do so, you want to think about what is your manager's hang up on it. And honestly, I think probably at least half the time it's that they worry people are watching Netflix, which is never the case, but people are still worried about it. So, you know, say, could we try a a trial of one day a week for two months and we'll see what my productivity looks like? 
And on those days that you're working from home, you make sure that you're as available as possible, you're as responsive as possible. I would also recommend that you sort of triage your workflow so you turn in major things on all those days that you are working from home. So not only do you look normally productive, you look hyper productive. And then at the end of two months, you week together and say, well, how did you think it went? And then you can evaluate. The good news is coming out of this pandemic, nobody is going to be able to say anymore like, oh, it would never work for us. Like clearly in a crisis, you made it work. So I think it's going to become more of the norm. So we need to take a short ad break. We will be back in just a minute. All right, we are back and I have another question for you. Okay, you know, when you're in the office, you have lots of social things going on and you have sort of this like intangible connection process happening, but at home, that's kind of harder to do. So what do you feel like we miss out on when we're not in the office and how can we maybe make up for that? Yeah, well, seeing each other's faces does matter. And that's one of the upsides of video calls, despite the downsides of of Zoom fatigue and the like. Um, I would say that, honestly, seeing each other's faces on video screens is about 75% as good as seeing each other in person. I mean, most business stuff is not centered around physical touch. So that element becomes a lot less important than, you know, seeing relatives that you want to hug and kiss your, you know, niece and nephew, right? Like that's, that's a different matter. That's not quite as good video wise, but for business purposes, it works. As for the social aspect, the, the thing is, it's not going to be either or. Right now in the pandemic, a lot of people went from 100% in office to 100% virtual. And clearly, that's going to be a very different experience. But as we get sort of back to normal and get back into how is remote work going to be incorporated into the workplace long term, I think a lot of people will wind up working from home two to three days a week and from the office two to three days per week. So it's not like, oh, we'll never socialize. Well, yes, you will on the two to three days that you're in the office. And in fact, if you are doing it that way, it winds up working kind of better because you can say, okay, those are the days we're going to have the coffees. We're going to have the lunches. You know, if we're going to have a group happy hour, we're going to do it definitely on the day we're all in the office. Whereas if we are, you know, working from home, those are the days we can have sort of the focused individual work and, and that will make it much, you know, match the right work to the right, right time. I like that. For me, I I find that a nice balance is actually like, two days in the office and maybe three days at home or something like that. So you're right. Maybe that will become the new normal. And then you get the best of both worlds. Sorry, I had to say that. Okay. <laughs> Question number five. Do you have any data about productivity in your book? I mean, like, you know, if, if your boss did have that Netflix argument, is there any statistic you could throw at them to say, well, actually, people are 17% more productive when they're home or something like that? So this would be the golden, like if you could find the statistic on productivity for anything. I mean, I wish people could measure this well, because then, you know, you could say like, oh, these are the productive employees and these are not. Like, clearly we know who's, you know, going to be promoted and who who isn't. It's really hard to say because work is different. And so if you're talking about like, how many calls can you handle from a call center? Well, there's some data that those people are more productive working from home because they're not distracted by their colleagues and they can set, you know, the office as they want it to be, the right temperature and all those things. But, you know, a lot of work is very different. I mean, 
do you feel more productive seeing patients at home versus the office? I mean, you probably feel like you give good care in both places, right? So the the way to view this, though, there was one survey that a company called FlexJobs did. And yes, they they are a job board for remote work, so they have an interest in this. But they asked a ton of people, where do you prefer to work when you really have to get something done? And only 8% of people said they wanted to work in their office during work hours when they really needed to get stuff done. A, a bigger, a big chunk said they wanted to work in their office, but outside of work hours, because presumably then your colleagues aren't stopping to talk by about, you know, why, why is Joe wearing shorts in the office, right? Like, <laughs> you know, what happened to the cheese on the salad bar? And these other conversations that are hard to get stuff done when they, when they happen. Um, a lot of people really prefer to work from home if that is a possibility when they really need to get stuff done, because you have the ability to limit some of the distractions that would have been there in the office. That is probably less the case now when many people have their young children at home with them. Um, but during a normal time when the kids would have been in school uh, or in daycare or something like that, then then working from home does seem to be associated with where people feel most productive. Okay, well, speaking of distractions, another question. What are your favorite breaks that at-home workers can take and in-office workers cannot? <laughs> well, I actually have a joke about this in the in the book, uh, sort of a walk off line about, you know, if your kids are in school and you and your spouse are both working from home, you could have a little little time, private time with the spouse, right? That would be a fun break uh, for for lunch someday. Lovely break. Lovely break. <laughs> uh, but obviously, there are there are exercise related breaks. If you have, for instance, a afternoon of audio only calls and you have a 30 minute gap in between them. Why not just put on your exercise clothes at some point, be ready to run out the door in that half hour break, get a run in, come back, you're back on the call. If you've got another break somewhere else, you could do strength training during that time. Uh, you can just use these small gaps between things in a way that you can't uh, in the office per se. I know a lot of people use you know, work from home breaks to get housework done. I, I have limited, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of this. It turns out that a car is being towed <laughs> next door, if anyone can hear this noise. Um, anyway, the, not our car. The, you know, working from home does not automatically mean that all the housework should be on your plate. And I think that that unfortunately happens in some households where one person works from home and one does not, you know, sure, take the meat out of the fridge, out of the freezer in a break. Um, you can go switch a load of laundry, but try not to do those things unless you are taking a real break. Because what can often happen is that you're working on something and you hit a slight snag and you're like, oh, let me go take the meat out of the freezer. And it feels productive because you're like, I'm, I'm not goofing off. I'm not watching Netflix. I'm doing something productive of housework here. But uninterrupted time is pretty priceless in any situation. So just, you know, keep a note of any household tasks that occur to you, like keep a later list and write those down on there. And then when you are taking a scheduled break, you can go take the meat out of the freezer, move the laundry, whatever it is you need to do. I will say that um, for me, I stay in my upstairs office when I'm working from home, except for pretty much lunchtime. And then lunchtime is capped off by putting Genevieve for her nap. But I will say that it helps me to like, 
really, if I'm going to do any kind of housework type of thing, it naturally is going to happen during that lunch break. Because once I'm stuck up in my room, like what housework is there going to be able to do? So I think the physical space that you choose for your work area may help you avoid getting too distracted by those household. Yeah. And and this is important. I've, I've sort of noticed this um, in our work from home journey over the past four months is that my office is the official home office because I'm, I'm the one who's always been working from home, but it's more centrally located. So it's near rooms that the kids are hanging out in during the day now that they're all home. Whereas my husband is using a guest bedroom that's up in the corner of the second floor. And so people are far less likely to just see him walk by, you know, note that he's there. And, and he's been better about sort of staying in his office too. So, you know, you might want to think about doing that, like, like Sarah is doing. If, if you're trying to limit distractions, don't come out because then you're kind of free. It's a free for all, right? People can, people can come talk to you and you may not want that. Yep. Okay. Two more questions. Some areas are talking about, well, you kind of already answered this. I mean, if we end up in a digital school situation, I guess your answer to can you work a full-time job with kids at home and no childcare is no, unless you and your partner figure out some very crafty hours trading solution. So I kind of think you already answered that one. (laughs) Unless you have anything to add. All right. I have a fun one because we haven't done this for a while. I don't want you to use today when you answer this because you are at the beach. But can you take us through a day in your life of working from home right now as it is currently occurring? Yeah. So when I am at home, you know, I I tend to wake up with the baby in the morning, feed him, uh, whatever time that happens. Usually I'm get up with sort of when he has has gotten up, um, unless it's really early and I try and he often goes back down, but I don't get up, try to do like an hour of work or so before other people are stirring you know, have breakfast. Often there are camps or school or something that's needed to happen around 9, 930. So get people going on that. Then go into my office. Um, we've had our, our, you know, usually our childcare starts at eight o'clock. Um, that's what we have this summer too. Uh, eight, eight o'clock, Monday through Thursday is when it starts. You know, go in, try to do my most important tasks in the morning, understanding that those will be interrupted by baby feeding every three hours or so. You know, try and as soon as he's been fed, really focus on something and try to convey to any other children who wander in that this is not a good time. Um, sometimes that works better than others. But, uh, you know, and then lunch by the afternoon, it's usually I, I've gotten through the stuff that I've assigned myself for the day. So the afternoon can be a bit more free flowing, like I'm answering emails or sometimes I have calls. What's been really hard for me is figuring out times to record my short podcast before breakfast in New Corner Office because those do require quiet. And if there are people around the house, it's really hard to have actual quiet. Um, so I've, I've been, you know, see if the baby can be just fed and is happy, he can go down in the basement. And I tell the other kids, like, you have to be quiet. Like, just don't make noise for 30 minutes. And sometimes they're better than others. But, you know, I can often get through a couple episodes in that. and do what I can. You know, we eat dinner around six o'clock. That's been kind of a new family thing with quarantine since we're all there. It's fine to have a dinner time six o'clock pretty much every night. And that's I'm not really doing a whole lot of work after dinner these days. I've I've probably limited the amount of work I've been doing. I, I feel like I'm not necessarily getting as much done. But 
That's but you still wrote a book I and are book. doing three podcasts, so I think you're probably pretty good. <laughs> doing what I can. Doing what <laughs> I can. That's a lot of work. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I don't have an extra Q&A for this episode since this is basically one long Q&A for all of you. But if you would like, please send Laura in particular your work from home dilemmas or questions because we are happy to tackle those on a further episode. But we do need to share our loves of the week. I feel like I I know what you're going to say for yours, but let's see. Okay. Mine is the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. (laughs) I know I'm late to that party. I know this is not a new product like at all, but Genevieve is really not so great about controlling her impulses around crayons. (laughs) We'll put it that way. And so every time I turn around, there's like a new surface that has little circles on it, which is like her new favorite thing to draw. So that thing works like shockingly well. Wow. I did have a reader write in that actually baking soda would probably be a almost as good and a more eco-friendly solution. So I may give that a try, especially because I only bought two of those magic erasers and I've already used up one. So um, we'll see if the natural way also works. It may especially work on the, the more washable crayons, which I have switched her to. But if you do have kind of a disaster or you have a kid that drew all over a piece of furniture and you thought it was kind of ruined forever, you may want to give the magic eraser a try. Sounds good. I um, we, we That has not been as big a problem for us. Well, you're in the sweet spot. You don't have a scribbler age child right now. now. I'm trying to say, I don't know that any of them were on walls as much, but uh, maybe they're just less artistically inclined and (laughs) it's going to be the next Picasso here. So it's, uh, she's, you know, she can tell people that my mother erased my early masterpieces. (laughs) That house would be worth millions. We don't own it. So, you know, that's true. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so my love of the week, we're in the beach right now. And I, I love the Jersey shore. I, you know, it's, we're, we're in a sort of more quiet family friendly town. We've been here for, we've rented houses here for like 14 years, but it's just got so many memories with it now. And been nice to be here. Do you rent the same house no, every time? No, I've, oh. I've I've done a quite the tour of the rental market in this town. I, I've experienced most of them. We have our favorites, um, but we're in a new house this time uh, that we have not been in before, and it's been actually quite nice. I, I would probably rent it again, although there's another one I also like too. So we'll see. But you know, it's it's good to vacation in the same place to a degree. I we we don't only go here. Um, we like to go other places too, but especially this year when. Lots of other stuff has not been an option. I've been really happy that the the shore is at least still open. Um, and and the cool thing is that uh, they limited the beach access uh, in order to keep it not too crowded. And so since we have season passes here with the house with the rental, it's been like awesome. I mean, you know, it's a you have the beach and it's not crowded. And yes, I feel bad if people were not able to get on the beach and they thought they would be, and that's kind of unfortunate because it's normally more accessible but on the other hand um it's got some upsides for you know the situation you can buy daily passes you just have to buy them on the app the day before so that i I, you know i'm not sure everyone would know that on their first day that they tried to come to the beach but then there's some other towns nearby that allow more daily effects so probably people can still go to the beach so anyway enough about that (laughs) uncrowded beach is a nice place Oh, sounds lovely. 
All right. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. We've been talking about working from home um, based on tips from my, my book, The New Corner Office, which is out today. <laughs> if people feel like they might want to pick up a copy, I would really appreciate it. Leave a nice review. Uh, and we'll be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.